Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris, and today is really, really important. Today you'll understand why people make certain decisions. You'll understand why people learn stuff and don't learn other stuff. You'll understand why people follow your instructions sometimes and don't follow them other times. You'll learn why sometimes you feel a bit down the dumps and you'll learn why sometimes you feel on top of the world. You're going to learn a whole heap about the human condition. Uh, uh, and put that in a nutshell, we're going to call it human nature. To understand this topic, we respectfully say that uh, when all people are born, they come to this planet through their parents with the remnants of the, of the heritage of their parents. And what they inherit primarily, not just the assets of the parents, if the parents have a billion dollars, then the kid gets a billion dollars, but they inherit some gifts. They inherit sometimes a few curses, uh, which they have to spend their life working with. They inherit a few gifts that they need to spend their life working with, and they inherit an environment. So the three things we've talked about so far, we inherit uh, um, a mental state, in other words, a state of thinking or a state of seeking happiness that comes from the parent because the, the mother's blood and the child's blood is one and the same, so the emotional quotient of the child, usually within the last three months before birth, uh, at about six months, the child starts to form emotions uh, to, to respond positive and negatively to in the environment it has within and the energy it has around it. But once it's born, as we all know, the, you know, if a child is born into a, uh, you know, a warm bath, some people would believe that that brings them out into the world without as much trauma. If it's born into a very uh, rough and it's stolen from its mother immediately, as uh, I just saw Lindy Chamberlain talk about her second baby was taken from her at birth uh, because she was in jail. And, uh, or not a second, but a second daughter after Azalea. So uh, that child comes into the world with a little bit of a, uh, a journey because it's, it's, it experiences what other people don't and that's separation really quickly. We kind of like get over all this stuff, and, but what we end up with is a set of things called our values, our intrinsic values. And that means that we had, as a, as a baby, in the first three years of our life, too much of something and too little of something else. And the too much could be too much affection, too much uh, discipline, too much uh, care, too much uh, doting, too much expectation, too much stress from the mother, too much uh, stress from the father, too much food, too much um, sleep, or not enough, too little uh, food, too little affection, too little uh, intensity, because that's where the immune system up. So Infatuated parents give kids too much of something and not enough of something else. Not enough freedom, too much uh, control. We end up with this value set. And this is our true nature. So our true nature, uh, although everybody gets more generous and more caring and more compassionate and more uh, 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 grateful in nature, and the Buddhist system would say that is the true nature. How we apply those things and how we 
bring those things to life and what things we're attracted to and not attracted to depends on our value set. And this value set, as I said, uh, is learned. It, it isn't born with us. We learn it through the first three years of life. There's nothing can be wrong with a value set. There's nothing can be right with a value set. It's a value set and it's intrinsic. It's within us. So we will have an appetite as a three-year-old for affection or an appetite for attention or an appetite for competition or an appetite for uh, withdrawal or an appetite for a reading or an appetite for playing sports or something. So we get these appetites, which are uh, which is just a, a real honest way of saying our appetites, what we're seeking at a feeling and a, an emotive level, are very much reflective of the values we've created. We create those values out of negative situations. So if we get hit, we, we get an appetite for peace. If we get uh, starved, we get an appetite for abundance. If we get disruption, we get an appetite for spirituality or tranquility. So many of our intrinsic values are built out of excess and deficiency. Many of our extrinsic values, which is the way we go looking for those things that are intrinsic, um, is, is a result of the things that happen very early in life. And so a person might want to become a sport champion, but really deep down the intrinsic value they're chasing might simply be attention. Or the intrinsic value they're, that they're chasing might be wanting to be wanted because a child born with a mother and, and father who really didn't expect the child and are questioning whether they're going to be capable of bringing up the child brings a child into this world that doesn't quite have a sense of place. And that child will seek a sense of place and choose the mechanism for it maybe in sport, maybe in business, maybe in uh, having 15 kids, maybe running an orphanage, maybe not running, maybe um, being an employee and keeping the head under them, or maybe... And then some people are born with a, a tough mum and they'll go seeking for the rest of their life to marry somebody who's a, a, a mum, you know, gives them advice, tells them what they do, unconditionally loves them, um, is always there for them. And so... You can see a lot of the stuff that people go into therapy for at a certain age in life to try and fix is unfixable because it's a value. It's an intrinsic value. The only thing we can do with intrinsic values is first recognise them, and that's kind of a wise thing to do, and secondly, realise that we can fulfil those values in a multitude of ways. We don't always have to repeat pattern and say, I need to validate myself by being uh, successful at work. I need to validate myself by winning every game. If we're seeking validation of our values through a one, and we're a one horse pony or a one race pony, and we're always seeking the value, the intrinsic value through one mechanism, we become, uh, as I said, a, a one track pony and we become um, are very vulnerable to success and failure. We become nervous and stressed and, and we get depression. So understanding the link between intrinsic value and extrinsic value, knowing what your intrinsic values are is a profound gift. Knowing what your extrinsic, uh, what options you have extrinsically for fulfilling those values becomes really important. Now, it becomes hyper important if you go to the next level and say, we will sabotage anything that we can't link to our intrinsic values. So again, if we're seeking security 
and someone says, would you like to come on a holiday where we're going to jump off a building, you probably won't get on the plane through some circumstance. Or if you get a job with a company and you go, I really want the income from this company and what the income represents to you is um, a sense of place or a sense of um, uh, freedom and suddenly you get the job but the boss is, is pays you the money but is very controlling, uh, anal attentive and very judgmental, then in that environment you're not going to thrive and what you'll start to do is do things that will eventually cause you not to be employed there. So I've coached people for a long time and I, people tell me stories and those stories are always of situations where they've manifested an exit from something that they said they didn't want to leave. And, but when we question the exit, what they realised is they provoked and provoked and challenged and challenged until the other person made the decision for them to leave. But really what they, what they were clearly doing was sabotaging. Um, this happens so often in relationships that people come to a relationship for one thing, realise it's not there, they don't want to leave because they've made a commitment, so they just keep doing things until their partner finally says, would you please fuck off because you really don't want to be here but you can't admit it. Something like that. Affairs, uh, uh, people you know, arriving late for work, people... Um, not really uh, trying to be, uh, in a sense, um, uh, not being uh, forthright in their work practices. There's so many ways, and their health, they say, I want to be healthy, but then they go and eat McDonald's for breakfast and things like that. You know, there are, there are, there are va people say they want things, which means they're, they're trying to echo external values that comply and make people like them and they become sort of iconic uh, to their kids. But internally it doesn't fulfil their intrinsic value and therefore they don't do what they say. You know, I want to be healthy, boom, uh, drinking you know, a bottle of red wine every night or something of the sort, or I want to be in marriage but I'm going to walk around the house grumpy in my dirty underpants uh, and uh, wonder why eventually my partner found somebody else. All, all of these things come down to self-sabotage. And self-sabotage, um, really, it's, uh, it's something we can wrestle with during the early years of our 20s. But as we start to get towards 40 and towards 50 and things, self-sabotage becomes uh, a, such a trickster thing because the, op the options to bounce out of a failure become more threatening. Uh, as we get older, and the, therefore the desire to stay in things and not sabotaging becomes more uh, powerful. And certainly the financial cost of bouncing out of a job or the bouncing out of a relationship becomes huge, or the, the cost of behaviour that doesn't match with our values around a child knows that we're not in integrity around them. And they may not know it, but they certainly would feel the discontinuity between the two. This means you now understand why people learn stuff. If you are working on something that you link to an intrinsic value of yours, you will remember it forever. If you're working on something that you can't link to an intrinsic value of yours, you will read it and read it and read it and never remember it. So a lot of scholastic achievement, a lot of 
the ease with which some people learn and a lot of the ease which which, which, which people pass exams and remember stuff is based on the fact that they're really, really interested in it because it really, really connects to an intrinsic value. If we value it, we remember it. And the same with our careers, that we will do really, really well in our career if it links to an intrinsic value. I see over and over again people who uh, uh, have come for coaching and they learn the manifestation process. The manifestation process is a discipline done on a daily basis, similar to the power hour. It includes the power hour. But it emphasises certain aspects of the power hour that, that you're going to do tomorrow and the next day. It emphasises certain aspects of it that cause not only good leadership, but it causes manifestation. So if you want something, you use the manifestation process. But the manifestation process demands a certain level of discipline. And if the certain level of discipline that it demands doesn't link to an intrinsic value of, it, of the individuals, they can't link all this hard work and discipline they're putting up to something they deeply value, uh, then th they will just, after some weeks, stop doing the manifestation process, even though they say they want the thing they want to manifest. A great example of this is, um, uh, uh, um, uh, and an easy example of this is Lotte, my uh, partner. She's, uh, uh, four years ago, uh, was a, a little bit, when we met, a little bit of a lost soul and working in a cafe and we talked and she's, you know, she's a, a, a been an uh, Olympic level swimmer and, I, and she can run and I, and of course she likes to ride a bike and I said, why don't you do triathlon and we started talking about it, we bought a little bike, we went away on a holiday, and eventually she started training for triathlon and got into the world circuit in, um, in the International Triathlon Union and started doing races that would get her to the Olympics. And she traveled to Italy and, and Spain and uh, um, she, China, Korea a couple of times. She went all over the place uh, doing races into, into Belgium and Netherlands. And it, this cost her, this cost, she had to work in a job um, to uh, pay some of her accounts. She uh, certainly had to engage with and be uh, connected to and married to, in a sense, a man twice her age. She had to go through a massive uh, uh, training program with injuries and pain. At the end of it, she's still doing it. Now, anybody who couldn't link all of that uh, to an intrinsic value, which is validation or which is to prove that she's worthy of love or whatever it is that she's seeking. That's none of our business for, for this and none of my business, it's my partner. But if she didn't link all this hard living, all this you know, time she'd come home from uh, a job at 10 o'clock at night and have to be up at four for another hard, hard bike ride before she swam and ran and then came back for uh, some food and then had to go to work again. If she didn't link all of that goings on to something that intrinsically was important to her, her highest value, what we call our purpose, then she would never have kept it up. It would have been, uh, it would have been tested like what I was saying about people with the manifestation formula. They say they want something. The discipline required to manifest it is too tough. They didn't really want it. They couldn't really link it to their intrinsic value. It was an extrinsic thing going on, something they wanted, but really, would they pay the price? No. When we do something in life, it's worth asking, what would we pay to do that? What would be the price we'd pay? Would we give our life 
for that thing that we're doing. So this prioritization becomes really important because, and this is uh, going to the core of it for today, because at the end of today, I'm going to give you a link to a set of questions, 13 questions that you will answer and you will find out your intrinsic values and your extrinsic and you'll see if they link. Many people ask me, what is my reason for coaching you? What's my priority? What, why do I do that? What's my purpose? And what's most important? The assumption is, because I work on self-leadership, I'm the most important thing. That because I can't give what I haven't got, I need to work on me so that I can give you my uh, client, my audience, the best. But this is not true. I work on me so that I can give you, my priority, my best. But because my mission in life is to change the world one heart at a time, I only work with you so that those people you influence become influenced by me. So my priority in every waking moment of my life, my health program, who I'm in a relationship, my financial program, is not about me. It's about you, but it's not about you either. It's about those you influence. And that's how I came across the idea of changing the world one heart at a time as a, as a soundbite because that's really what I care about. I care about your kids, I care about those you lead, and I care about the, their kids. And so if I can actually help one person through the coaching process that I do or the, the conferences that I present, if I can help one person operate more in the reality of their own values, they will rise up the consciousness cone and want to operate in the top three levels. And you can't operate in the top three levels of the consciousness cone when you are the most important thing in your life, when your feelings, your, your emotions, your thing, when those feelings and things and health and your thought process becomes important to you, you get stuck at want to. So a want to person is at the top of Maslow's hierarchy. They are self-actualized. They are worrying about themselves. They are self-determined. But this is way short of what's needed to operate as a leader. A leader got to operate beyond themselves. However, if the leader doesn't satisfy their own intrinsic value system, they will sabotage whatever they lead to keep coming back to it to repair it. So getting this part of the, the daily practice, which is called prioritization. What am I going to do first today? What am I going to do second? What, what part of the job will I do tomorrow? How will I keep adding workload to my shoulders without getting overloaded? What will I do to make other people more important than me, which means I can rise to the next three levels of the um, uh, consciousness cone. And the answer is I must satisfy my own values right up to want to, so that now I can flick out of want to into desire to, choose to, love to, which means I'm serving others. Not as self-deprecating act of diminishing uh, self, as a, a celebration of it. 
So we get this uh, uh, presentation of saying, uh, as an example, I work on my self-leadership so that I don't sink into the bottom three levels, which means I'm on value, on priority in my mind, on uh, uh, got good health. I'm doing that so I don't sink down in there and become self-obsessed because anywhere in got to, should, need to and want to, I'm obsessed with only one topic on the planet and that's me. And that is not leadership, that's self-leadership. We get self-leadership right, we get freed up to start adding value to others with a, a sense of um, purpose and a sense of giving and a sense of service. But it comes only when our tank is full. I describe this like uh, going to a pub and having a shouting the whole bar. But the first glass underneath the, uh, underneath the tap is your own. But then your glass fills up and it overflows and everybody can put their glass under yours because what's coming out of that glass is basically free. The tap is just filling your glass and it flows into everybody else's in a sense without condition, without a sense of self-sacrifice. So knowing your values and knowing your priorities, knowing your intrinsic, extrinsic and, uh, priorities on a daily basis means you fill yourself so that you can actually have a higher priority than yourself, which is living in the choose to, love to, and desire to level of the consciousness cone at the top of the pyramid. When you say, is another person more important than me, that's gonna go back to what we do tomorrow, which is your vision. But it can't be one person more important than you because that's called, um, in, in a sense, that's as narcissistic as a got-to state because that person ticky-tocky all over the place, you're gonna ticky-tocky all over the place chasing them. You, you need to have some sense of how you would use the resources at your hand if everything in your life was on track and satisfied uh, in all uh, seven areas of life. How would you serve others and how many others could you serve? Not stuck with, I'm here to serve my partner or my two kids or three kids or whatever you've got, I'm here to serve the world and how many people can I serve? If I serve as it is with the coaching, if I serve one single person who works for an organization and the people around them getting, uh, get uh, connected to that, the environment they create and the work they do and the customers they serve, I'm talking about half a million to a million people being influenced by every single person who really gets to understand how to live in the top three levels of leadership into consciousness kind. And that's pretty effective work, isn't it? I influence a million through working with one person for one period of time and or coaching for a continuous period of time. You influence many. So you, uh, in serving others like I do, you uh, will owe it to yourself to work on priority, to work on value, to work on your intrinsic value and link them all up so that you're not sinking always down into the need to, should, and got to areas of life, which you will do through sabotage. People who work on low priorities attract calamity, disaster, and humbling circumstances. So if you meet someone who's had a hard luck story, it's because typically they've been living someone else's values. And this is really easy to do. For example, as a very easy example of this, um, there are books by Buddhism. And Buddhism teaches about peace and happiness and all these things. 
And some people read this book and say, I'm going to live those values. I'm going to live that values. But really, that person's an active, sporty person and would be far better off reading the biography of um, you know, um, uh, Usain Bolt or, 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 or someone of the sort and working out how that person um, manifested themselves and work on those priorities. And so we can quite often in our lives end up living someone else's life. And we live someone else's life quite often because we have a judgment that on one of our parents. We have a judgment on the masculine parent or the feminine parent. We have a, a judgment on those and it means we're half, we're hamstrung a little bit in how we live our life and we start living half-life. We start living the life without, because we judged some part of our life, we start living the half we didn't judge. And therefore we can't live our values because living our values requires us to be whole. And therefore we get stuck in want to, need to, should and got to like the masses of the world who use substance and what have you to as an antidote to being half a person. This is going to change over 30 days if you want. First step, however, is to go b uh, below on the, on the daily sheet uh, on, your web, on the web page for this day and uh, uh, click and upload the form which is called the 13 questions of your values. Fill it in firstly, uh, you fill it in the first time to say there's seven areas of life and you label each one of the seven areas of life, uh, you answer the question out of one of the seven areas of life. It might say what's, what, what things surround you and you've only got a choice of a spiritual thing, a, a family thing, a, a health thing, a social thing, a financial thing, or a relationship thing, so you only get those uh, choices. The second time, you, you be more specific and say what things surround me, and you can say a, a painting. And the question is, or it might be nice furniture, and the question is, how does that thing make you feel? So what you're trying to find is what feeling you're trying to extract from the questions. So it might say, uh, where are you most organised is one of the questions uh, that you'll get in the 13 question. Where are you might, might, might organised? And you say your work. And the question is how does your work make you feel? Why, would you, why is that important to you? Why is work important? Why is it important? Uh, why is having a, a white lounge suite important? Why? And what you're trying to find is what's the intrinsic thing, the thing below the thing that you get out of having that nearby? the subliminal message that you're continually uh, hungering for in your life. And this is a great conversation we have in private when you finish the form. So fill it in twice, follow the instructions, it's really easy, and then uh, bring that to your next coaching session and we'll work out your values. And that's a really cool thing to know because if you can't link it, you will sink it. This is Chris, enjoy.